Welcome to the City Church Sermon Podcast. City Church is a new church located in the city of Frisco, Texas, just north of Dallas. Our hope and prayer is that the following message can serve as an encouragement and as a blessing and inspiration in your walk with Christ. If you have any questions about City Church and want more information about us or you want to visit during one of our Sunday celebrations, please visit us online at citychurchfrisco.org or email us at hello at citychurchfrisco.org. If you would like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at citychurchfrisco.org slash give. Thank you for listening. And you know, I was saying that after watching this video, I felt tired. And isn't that the truth? That this season brings so much stress and busyness? I mean, I think that for the, in general, I like this time. I, I like the Christmas season. I like the, the whole idea of what happens and the remembering Jesus, obviously, and all the ancillary stuff that goes along with it. I enjoy it. I enjoy the lights. I enjoy Christmas morning. I enjoy Christmas Eve. I enjoy all these things. I enjoy, just in case you didn't know, that on December 26th is my birthday and nobody celebrates it, but it's okay. You know, I still enjoy it. I still do. It's fun. It's a good time. But the whole lead, the whole process leading up to this time is full of busyness. There's lights, there's stores, there's lines, there's gifts, there's finances you got to worry about. There's the wrapping paper, there's the family, there's traveling, there's gift wrapping, there's uh, hosting, there's cooking. There's all these things during this season And though we make Christmas complicated, the Christmas message is quite simple. God gift-wrapped himself in flesh, was born into this world to bring us hope, to bring us love, to bring us joy, to bring us salvation. And in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, the Bible says that for a child is born to us, a son is given to us, the government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called, these are several names that he will be called, he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, and his government and his peace will never End. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will make this happen. I love that last phrase. God's passion for you, God's passion for me, God's passion for his people, it will make sure that this promise that is in the Bible, that a child was going to be born, and it will bring hope, he will bring love, he will bring joy, he will bring the promise of salvation to those who call upon his name. He would make this happen for you, he would make this happen for me, because he was passionate about you, he is passionate about you. He loves you. He cares for you. He thinks of you. He's always thinking of ways. How do I bless my children? And we make Christmas so complicated. When the message of Christmas is truly simple. There is a God who loves you. And over the next few weeks, we will be unwrapping this, this simple, these simple truths that God has given us. That he does offer us hope. 
Because he says that his government and his peace will never end. What an amazing hope that is that we can always have peace in our lives, in our hearts, and for eternity. That his love will come upon us because his name is Everlasting Father. And there's nothing quite like the love of a father that swoops in to protect you, that swoops in to care for you, that swoops in to, to, to meet your every, every need. And the joy that his peace will bring to your life. And over the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about these, uh, these things. And, and today, we're going to be speaking from the subject of a, a simple hope. And my question to you this morning or this afternoon is, have we lost the meaning of hope? Hope. What is hope? We, we throw out the word, right? It's kind of like one of those words like love. We throw it out. I hope my kids will behave today. Amen. I expected more amens, but okay. I, I hope we have nice weather. And, you know, living here in Texas, it, it can be iffy whether or not it's, it starts out really nice in the morning and then it gets really hot in the evening or it starts out really cold and you got to wear a sweater and then by noon time you're having to take your sweater off because it's just too hot and you hope you have good weather. I hope the Cowboys win the Super Bowl. Wishful thinking, right? If what we're hoping for can be replaced by I would like then I will submit to you that we need to reconsider the priority of the things we're hoping for. Because hoping for our children to behave, you know, that's like hoping for money to fall from the sky. Hoping for the Cowboys to win the Super Bowl is just a pipe dream at this moment. And I'm not depressed or anything, but yeah, it's true. And we need to start really looking at the things that we're hoping for, the things that we want to come to our lives. And, and if it's something that I would like for it to happen, but it truly has no impact in my life, then why am I wasting my energies hoping for things that don't matter when there are true things that we need to be chasing, real things that impact my life, that impact my family, that impact uh, everything that is around me, that impact your life. Those are the things that I need to truly set my, um, set my idea and my mind and my energy and say, I hope that God does come through just as he's always come through. I do hope that God touches my son and my daughter and, needs, and does the work in his life that needs to be done. But here's the thing, right? Many times we, we place our hope uh, on empty things, on hollow things, uh, on unreliable things. And, and when these ideas that we hope for or when these people that we hope on, when they let us down, when they don't come through for us, when, when these things don't happen, we find ourselves upset. That happens to a lot of Cowboy fans, okay? And up to recently to a lot of Eagle fans too. We find ourselves upset. We find ourselves confused. We find ourselves angry. We find ourselves bitter, filled with grudges. He let me down again. 
she let me down again. Why do I keep believing in that? Why would I ever think that something good would come to my life? Why would I ever put my hope in this job that I've been let go from? Why, why, why? And quite honestly, the answer is pretty simple because the hope we need is not found on material things. The hope that we need is not found in people that are flawed because, believe it or not, you're not perfect. Even you have let somebody down at some time, at some point in your life. And we place our hopes on a person. We place our hopes on a job. We place our hopes on the government. We place our hopes on something that that is unreliable. Withers away. People fell us. So the question we have to ask ourselves is where do I place my hope? Where do you place your hope? And as going to church for many years, right, we've always kind of joke around and because it's not really a joke, but we, we kind of say this uh, tongue-in-cheek because we'll say, well, Jesus is the answer for everything. And, and yes, Jesus is the answer for everything. Man, he's playing off key. Well, Jesus is the answer. He needs Jesus. But the reality is that humanity's hope can only be found in Jesus. There is no one else you can go to, no one else you can run to, no one else you can seek that will be reliable just as Jesus is reliable. And as we move forward, I want to go over a few verses with you. And I want to share a story with you in Genesis chapter 22, verse 15. We're going to read the tail end of the story. There's an amazing promise made to a man named Abraham. Abraham was the man that was chosen by God, was called out by God to bless the nations. And in verse 15 of chapter 22 in Genesis, we have it up on the screen. It says, the angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself. That's interesting, huh? God sweared by himself. I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, we're going to stop right there just so I can catch you up on the story. Abraham had a promised son that was He was uh, 90 years old. He was close to 100 years old. And God promised him, I will bless you. And I will bless your generations. I will bless your descendants. Your descendants will be as as the the stars in the sky, as the sand uh, in, in the sea. They will be uncountable. They will be without number. And Abraham said, well, Lord Jesus, that's awesome, Lord. But there's a problem. I'm almost, I'm pushing 100 and I don't have a kid. How is this to happen? God said, I will give you a son. Okay, but there's another problem. My wife is pushing 100. I will give you a son. And the Bible says that all Abraham could do was believe. And there are moments, there are times in our lives that all that you and I and all that we can do is just believe. Yes. 
Because we see our situation. We see the impossibilities that are with, with, before us. We see that the age is catching up to us. We see that things, instead of going up, they're going downhill. That we see that things are not looking good. We see the storms in our lives. But all we can do and all God asks us to do is believe. Abraham believed. He said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, he had a son. God delivered him the promised son. And at some point in the story, God comes to Abraham and says, I want you to take your son and offer him as a sacrifice to me. The promised son, the one that was going to bless Abraham, the one that was going to be the, the cause of all the many descendants, now God is saying, I want you to offer him as a sacrifice to me. Go up into the mountain, create an altar, and give him to me. And as we read the story, Abraham did not complain. Wow. He gets his son, goes up to the mountain. And the Bible relates the story and says that at the point in which he was going to sacrifice his son, the angel of the Lord steps out and says, Abraham, stop what you're doing. I have seen your faith. I have seen that you're not tying your identity to something that can be removed from you. I am seeing that your, your, your faith is not on your son. Your faith is not on your wife. Your faith is not in your riches. You are putting your trust in me. And because of this, I swear by myself that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, the next slide, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies and through you and through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you've obeyed me. The promised child was offered up as a sacrifice. God intervenes and God makes an oath and a hope is born. Because at that point, Abraham is older. And there's no way that he's going to see God's promise come to, to life. He's not going to see his descendants. He's not going to see how the nations will be blessed. But the Bible says that Abraham believed and it was counted unto him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. And I wonder how many of us today can truly put our hope in Jesus to the point where we will be called friends of God. And the hope is born. And a blessing to this world would be the offspring of Abraham. And as we read the Bible and as we see the generations of Abraham come by and come and go and come and go, we see that the offspring of Abraham that was going to bless the nations 
was a baby boy that was born in a little town called Bethlehem who was named Jesus. This, this blessing, this promise, this hope was not just for Abraham and his family. This blessing was for you. This blessing was for me. This blessing was for our families. For those blessings are for those that are sick. This blessing is for those who have a need of hope. This blessing is for anyone who would accept it in their lives. And it's interesting because we read this story and then later on the writer to the Hebrews, he writes in chapter 6, uh, verse 13, and he writes about this particular story. And he says that when God made his promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself. You know, it's like, God, I swear to me, you know, I swear to God, you shouldn't say that, all right? Don't take the name, the Lord of the name, the, the name of the Lord in vain. But God said, I swear by me. He swore by himself saying, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. And so after waiting patiently, how many could use some patience? After waiting, but my kids, God, waiting patiently. But, but I need this, God, waiting patiently. Abraham received what was promised. People swear by someone greater than themselves, and the oath confirms what is said and puts an end to all argument. In verse 17, because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised, he confirmed it with an oath. God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie. You need to, to understand this, that it's impossible for God to lie. So when God says he's going to bless you, God's not lying. You got to take hold of it. You got to own it. You got to receive it. You got to walk in it. Though I don't see the blessing, I'm walking as a blessed person. Though I don't see the promise in fruition, I'm walking as if the promise is here. I don't see the end result, but I know it's coming. I got to keep walking. God does not lie. We who have fled to take hope, and I love the language here, we need to flee to the hope. We need to run towards that hope that is set before us, uh, that, that we can, uh, set, that is set before us, may greatly, may be greatly encouraged. If you need to be encouraged today, church, you need to run to the hope that Jesus offers you today. You need to run. You need to run. I'm out of shape, Pastor, but you still need to run towards him. So that you can be encouraged. Verse 19, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul. And it's firm and it's secure. 
It enters, this hope enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. Because before, if you, if you know a little bit of Bible, and if you don't, it's okay, I'm going to explain it to you right now. Before, in the temple, no one was allowed into God's presence. The only person allowed into God's presence was the high priest. And even then, when he would go in, it was a little bit iffy. They would tie a little rope around his leg, and they would put a bell, and when he would go in there, if they stopped hearing the bell, well, that's another one that dropped. Because it's, it's no joking matter to go into God's presence, but now because of the hope that Jesus offers us, we are free to come into God's presence. It doesn't matter how far away you are from God. It doesn't matter how dirty you may feel. It doesn't matter how guilty you may feel. God offers you this hope. Jesus entered for us into that inner curtain. And what we couldn't do, Jesus did for you and me. As believers and as people searching for hope in this world that is broken, in this world that is lost, in this world that seems that things are getting worse and worse day by day, the threat of war, the threat of uh, of our finances being in danger, the threat of our children just going out to to, uh, to school and coming back, that there's a threat over their lives that you just hope everything turns out well that day. We must constantly, constantly run towards the truth that God God does not lie, and our hope is secure in him, and we need to encourage ourselves. Because when the water gets rough, when life gets hard, when the wind is blowing, when everything is falling apart, our finances are failing, our marriage may be failing, our health is failing, and you can't figure out your kids. Oh, Jesus, why did you give me these kids? I love my kids, okay? Why did you give me these kids? You've been laid off. Everyone has left you. Loneliness is setting in. When you feel this way... You can be confident that Jesus is just a call away. James said, draw near to him and he will draw near to you. All you need to do is take one step in Jesus' direction and he will make up the rest of the way. You got to believe. You got to be filled with his hope. You got to be encouraged. The one anchor you can always run to is Jesus Because people may fail you. You may even fail yourself. But Jesus will never fail you. Isaiah 41.10, God says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. So so as we're ending our time right now, I want to give you three major hopes that you can truly bank on when you you commit yourself to God. When you say, God, I want you to be my Savior. God, I want you to be my everything. Jesus, I need you in my heart. And this is the hope that comes to our lives. The first thing that we can hope is that, or that we can have hope is hope through suffering. Hope. Through suffering. And in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 6, 
It says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope. Not a stagnant hope. Not a dead hope. This is a true hope. A hope that we can have confidence in. He has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. How many sometimes feel like, man, life is hard, things are going on, and I'm not sure how I'm going to pay the bills. I'm not sure. I can't believe this is happening now. It's like one thing after another. You get past one trial and then here comes another trial. You get past having marriage problems and now you're having problems with your kids. You get past uh, having problems with your kids and now you've lost your job and now you find a new job and now uh, the bank is coming after you because of the, 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 the job loss and now you weren't, they're not giving you a chance to make up your payments. It seems like it's one thing after another, one thing after another, but the Bible says that we can still remain in hope. We can still remain in joy. Even Even though you may suffer all kinds of grief and for a little while, you can still have joy. But see, the problem is that we we think of life as forever long. My birthday's coming up. I'm about to turn 40, and I don't know where the years went. I mean, I still feel like I'm 21. But I look at the mirror and the 21-year-old doesn't look at me. And I can surely say there have been trials in my life. There have been trials in my family. There have been storms one after another. But through it all, I have held on to Jesus. And he has brought me from one place to the next. He's brought me from the deep hole I was in at one time to where I'm standing today. And he's brought me with joy and love. God offers you a hope through suffering. We reduce life to to like this everlasting thing. But truly life is so short for us to waste our time grieving and not moving forward. And though Abraham didn't see the promise, couldn't see how God was going to fulfill this blessing, he believed. And before the blessing came, Abraham made so many mistakes. He made so many errors of trying to accomplish the promise by himself without God. And surely there were consequences, but God came through For Abraham, and through his mistakes, even through his errors, the Bible says that Abraham was a friend of God. The second hope that we can have is that we can have a hope of a better you, of a better me. 
See, when Jesus starts working in your life, it's not a one-day process. It's not a one-day, uh, you know, fix it all, and now you're good to go the next day. It is a thing that happens gradually over time. For some people, it can last a year or two years where they are all in. They're going, they're going. They hit a speed bump, and then they slow down, but then they get going again. And for some people, it takes the rest of their life to truly figure things out. And I think, in general, that's most of us. Philippians 1.6 says that being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. Last week may not have been good, but Jesus is still working on you. This past year, 2017, may have been the worst year of your life, but you know what? Jesus is still with you. He's faithful. The third hope that we can have is that we can have hope for when our flesh fails. When our, when our flesh finally succumbs to death. I'm gonna, you guys know we're all going to die one day. Let's not be Blind to the fact that we're not going to live forever. And I know you know that, but we live as though we have all the time in the world. We make plans. We make decisions. We make things uh, living, thinking that we have all this time. Uh, and we, we forget about the things that are truly important. The time we have to invest into our kids. The time that we have to invest into our marriage. The time we need to give to God. And we say, well, I'll do it tomorrow. When things get better, I will do it. When things, are change, when things change in my life, I will give myself more to God. No, church. Time is always ticking. Time does not stop for you. Time does not stop for me. But when our flesh finally comes to that point where, uh, where it fails, when we are in Jesus, there is an eternal hope that is found in us. 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 4, I believe, uh, but Paul tells him, I do not want you to be uninformed about our brothers and sisters that sleep. Understand that our hope is a different type of hope, not like the kind that unbelievers have. We have a hope of eternal life. We have a hope of a glorious Jesus coming back to this earth to lift up the dead that have de died in him. He, we have a hope of a... Jesus that will come and reign over his church, reign over this world with peace and love. And when we're in that moment, when we're in that hope, our lives then and there with Jesus will be more full, more glorious. It will be complete. Jeremiah chapter 14, verse 22 says the following. Do any of the worthless idols of the nations bring rain? Do the skies themselves send down showers? No. It is you, Lord our God. Therefore, our hope is in you. 
For you're the one who does all this. So when Jesus came to this earth, when Jesus was born 2,000 years ago in the town of Bethlehem, there were a set of Magi, a group of Magi, three Magi that came and brought gifts to Jesus. But the reality was that when Jesus was born, Jesus came bearing gifts for humanity. Jesus came thinking of you. I am coming to bring hope to this broken world. And if God himself wrapped himself in flesh for you and for this world, God will wrap himself in your life and give you the hope that you need to keep walking day in and day out. Church, be encouraged. Hope is alive. Hope has a name. Hope's name is Jesus. I don't know if there's two or three people that can stand today and just give God thanks. Give God thanks for the hope. Give thanks for it, for everything that he's done in your life. It doesn't matter what you're going through. The hope is free. The hope is an anchor. It's firm and it's true. The hope is God with us. God 